and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Cole Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gas control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Shane, but I'll tell you who's not doing so well. It's old Johnny Manziel, who's out of a job again, man. Did you hear this news? <laughs> I did. I I thought it was crazy. He got, the, the league got suspended before he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone that didn't hear the sad news for the AAF, that league we talked about on one podcast and kind of moved on from, uh, it did not even make its final year. They've suspended the league. What were your thoughts when you heard this, Shane? I mean, it's week. The, I think this is week eight of a ten-week season. They they didn't even make it to the damn finish. Mike, I'm I'm kind of surprised that they stopped it mid-season. There's a couple of things that surprised me. One is how much money dude lost. Did you see that he lost seventy million dollars on this thing? Yeah. So that's not chump change. And then. I'm surprised they made it this far and not just let them play it out. You know, I'm, I'm sure the contracts were already secured. I don't know how much money he saved by cutting it early, but I don't know. Kind of like what you've been saying. They, they they started this league way too early in the season, and it caught up to them. People are just – they weren't ready. Yeah, and once March Madness and all that came around, I mean, people, for the most part, they generally lost interest. I think the time to roll this league out would have been – Late June, early July, when you're just dying for some football, you don't care. I mean, I know people that will go watch damn high school football because they're just they just want some football, you know. So, <laughs> if if CBS NFL Network would have been televising these games leading up to the college football season, leading up to the NFL season, I think that would have been the way to capture people's attention. They would have got. I think the attendance would have been a lot better. I mean, who wants to go to a football game in a cold, rainy weather right now? So. I don't know. I just think they really missed the mark by starting it right after an NFL because who's going to want to watch, you know, a lesser edition of football once we just saw the highest game yeah. of the year, you know? Absolutely, man. In fact, now that my Tennessee Vols are already knocked out of the the tournament, you know, I'm ready for some football. And if AAF was on tonight, I'd probably watch it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, hell, I was watching Vandy last week. Well, Shane, there's one guy, as soon as this news came out, we all wanted to hear from That's the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, he was interviewed about his team, the Orlando. You know, he obviously he's the head coach, and they they got off to a 7-1 start, their first place in the AAF. Uh, let's jump to old Steve Spurrier and his reaction. We got a team meeting back at the hotel about 2 o'clock, and uh, I guess we'll get the final word then that they have suspended uh, the operations. Uh, so we're all disappointed, but on the other side, we're we got to be the champs, right? We're uh, seven and one, and the next teams are five and three. All right, Shane, I think this is my damn. <laughs> this is the favorite thing I've heard all week. He wants that damn championship trophy. Yeah, I don't care if they ain't getting paid. You know, Mike, I just want that that national championship, and uh, I think it's fitting. You know, he's down there in Central Florida and claiming national championships that aren't true. So <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure he'll get the governor to sign off on something down there. Oh man, once again, he just makes me really miss uh coaches that are give you a quality soundbite in the sec they're down there doing cartwheels mike <laughs> <laughs> all right shane you ready to go around the league let's do it man now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league we, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys so and i wouldn't tell you if i did so you know i don't mind you asking a question but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over. And, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. 
This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on a hard hat, launch bail, let's get to work. All right, Shane, speaking of a good soundbite, let's uh, start here in Tennessee with Jim Chaney, the new offensive coordinator. He got to meet with the media, a rare opportunity. You know, Tennessee does not typically allow their coordinators to meet with the media. I think they just wanted to have a little introductory here. This was actually came on last Friday, but, you know, instead of playing Jeremy Pruitt, saying a bunch of words and not saying anything at all, we actually got a coach here on Rocky Top that it actually has some pretty good lines, and uh, you can kind of get to see from this press conference why Jim Chaney is such a hit with his players, didn't you think? Oh, yeah, man. All right, so let's jump to this. We'll get to some Jim Chaney here, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, but we got a, two things I wanted to hit on right off the bat here. Jim Chaney obviously is not going to be, you know, he doesn't have a specific role. He's not the quarterback's coach. He's not the tight end coach. He's just the offensive coordinator. So he talks about that. And then he talks about Jarrett Garantano and what he sees from Tennessee's quarterbacks that he's inherited. And finally, I just thought this was perfect. Uh, he's talking about how he's on his honeymoon period on Rocky Top. <laughs> Jim, you've coached the offensive line, tight ends, quarterbacks in the past. Here, you don't really have a position that you're assigned to. So, ain't that great? <laughs> I, 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 I can't mess like up it. anything here. <laughs> I guess, do you, do you like that CEO kind of role? Is that something that well, you want? It's you been good to? for me so far. It's, it's, I tell you what, it's easier to install an offense when you're in this role. So, you can go from room to room to room to room to room to make doggone sure everybody has no questions. I'm blessed here because the assistants that coaches put together are fantastic. They, they're very good. They're seasoned vets. They understand what they're doing, and they're, they're no problem. There's just nuances of the things that I like to do that they're not familiar with, that, that being able to walk around and help them with that has benefited us, I think. Is that something that you, for the job you do, you Well, Coach Pruitt and I talked about it. I told him I was, if he wanted to go that direction, any direction he was interested in going, I was fine with. Whether I needed to be in a room coaching a position or not, it really – that wasn't a, a part of the decision at all. Coach, what's uh, what's kind of been like the first seven or eight practices with Jarrett, and you know what have you seen out of him? And then two, when you, when Coach Pruitt was courting you, did you make sure and point out that you've got a uh, flawless winning percentage as the head coach here? Oh yeah, well, heck, everybody knows that. I mean, my statue, Max has my statue. It's a bobblehead doll of Jim Chade. No. Uh, the quarterbacks, talk about them, they're doing a very good job, I think, picking up the offense and doing a fine job. With the young freshman, he'd never been under center before, so he's having to take snaps. Brian's having to learn to take snaps right now under center. And JT's uh, shroud, he'll flash once in a while, I'll do some real good stuff. So I'm optimistic about all three of those young men. I, I think that Jared's doing a good job learning his role once again within another system, within another coordinator. He'd been through a few of us. And it's, I tell you what, what's interesting to me about college football, when you take a kid like him who's, what am I, the fourth coordinator, third or fourth coordinator he's had, is uh, how hard it is for them not to get really calloused and, and cynical about the game of football and to stay fresh with it and eager to learn and be a sponge. Because it's tough sometimes. It's not always a bed of roses out there for the quarterback spot. He kind of, when we got here before with Jonathan Crompton, it was kind of, there's some similarities there that, that are good. They're both good football players. And uh, I think uh, Jared's going to have a good season. I think he's playing good football right now, and he's fun to be around. What's it like being back at a school for a second time? And do you feel like, having been here before, you, do you maybe have a different perspective that's helpful to, to kind of know what works and, and what doesn't at Tennessee? You know, I don't know. With, with Lane, we skinned the cat this way. With Derek, we did it this way. Now with Coach Pruitt, we're doing it that way. My job as an assistant coach is to do whatever I can within his philosophy. What has been fun here is I've seen a lot of people that are dear to my heart that it's been fun to smile and see friends again. In a lot of ways, guys, and you guys know this as well as I do in my role, this is my honeymoon period right now between now and the fall. There's going to be a third and one, and I'm going to make a call, and each one of you all going to say, what in the hell was that? As will my wife, and we all know that. So this has been fun to get reacquainted with some friends and do things like that, and I'm really enjoying it, to be honest with you. I'm having a lot of fun. Coach Pruitt's been a blast to work with. The staff he's put together on my side of the ball, 
I couldn't ask for anything better. They're fantastic people and very good coaches. I'm, I'm very fortunate. All right, Shane. So I, I threw a lot out there, but you know, I, <laughs> a lot of this I just loved. You see the personality of Jim Cheney. You obviously one of the more experienced coordinators in the SEC. And that last comment about the honeymoon period and whatnot, <laughs> uh, I think that says it all because this guy knows how to call a game, and he knows if he makes one, you know, if, if Tennessee goes out and has a terrible Florida game, people, I mean, Tennessee fans are going to call for this guy to get fired, you know, a couple <laughs> games into the season. And I think just knowing that going into it, I think that kind of just – he knows what he's getting himself into, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say here. Yeah, and what I loved about this interview is about 15 minutes long, and he smiled the entire time, you know. So it's not too many times that Tennessee coordinators going to come out and be smiling the entire time. So yeah, he's right. We're in the honeymoon phase, and there was – there were several times, you know, while he was up there, you he was right. I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch saying, why the heck did we play that play, you know? So uh, I'm sure we're going to go through some some growing pains, but uh, he seemed pretty positive about the whole offensive situation. Yeah, and considering Tennessee has so many pieces coming back on offense, now sometimes I think that's a really misleading stat every offseason. People like to point to number of returning starters, but Tennessee did have one of the worst offenses in the nation last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily thinking that's too great to have all those guys coming back. But, you know, with the hire of Cheney, with the quarterback coming back and the majority of his pieces to work with, uh, what are you, as a Tennessee fan, expecting the Tennessee offense to do next season? Well, I was excited that he mentioned getting under center, you know. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all for that. He talked about being physical and being powerful. And uh, you've seen this with a couple moves they're making in the offseason, one being Banks being back at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is this is going to be a more physical team than a finesse team. And uh, I'm, I'm embracing it. I'm just – I am still a little hesitant because – like you said, last year that offensive line looked pretty rough, and if you want to be a physical team in the SEC, you've got to have those big uglies up front. So I'm, I want to see how they mature over the se- over the off season here. And one final thing I have on Tennessee, Shane. So this came out Tuesday evening during Jeremy Pruitt's press conference, but he announced that uh, D'Angelo Gibbs, the transfer from Georgia, who started his career here at Tennessee as a receiver, has been shifted back to safety. And according to Pruitt, that was the plan all along. I'm calling bullshit on that one. But what do you think of uh, D'Angelo Gibbs now getting a look on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think that was, uh, I don't know, something didn't work out there, you know, and so they're going to, I don't know. I mean, they're going to come out with their own storyline here, but there was something that wasn't working on the offensive side. So that's why, you. I don't know if it's true, but they do say a lot of the best wide receivers that can't catch play defense, you know? So I don't know if it had something to do with his hands or something, you know? Yeah. It just, to me, it's just, I don't know. It's not a great sign, obviously, because this is a guy that uh, came with a ton of hype, went down to Georgia, never really contributed. And I, I'm not saying we're seeing that at Tennessee already, but uh, I, I don't know. This flip-flopping of positions here is – it could just mean that Tennessee does, is not happy with their defensive back depth. This guy's been playing safety uh, on this week, but mm-hmm. it's not a great sign to me. Let me ask you, Mike. Um, you know, the one thing they've talked about this spring at Tennessee was just – I don't know. Like the offense was ahead of the defense. And do you think that has more to do with the starters or do you ha- think that has more to do – like – just this Gibbs situation, do you think that he was moved to defense because they're a little worried about the defense? Or am I just reading into this? No, I think you might be on to something there. I think they're really concerned with a lot of the depth on the defense. I mean, you're talking about they lost everyone on the defensive line. So basically mm-hmm. all the backups are starters now. And now there's a huge question on who's backing those guys up. I mean, they got true freshman linebackers in there. And even the linebackers they have returning, I, don't, I think for the most part, they're not happy with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, last year, a lot of the defensive backs were true freshmen. It sounds like there may be a couple again this year. So I, I think it's more of a question, not so much concern might not, might not be the correct word here, but I think depth is, is a major concern. I got you. You think uh, – and, and one one last thing, because you, you know a little bit more about this than I do, but – 
Uh, is JJ Peterson, is he hurt right now? Have you heard anything about that? Cause I'm hearing that, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say bust, but <laughs> there was a lot of hype coming into this guy last year. Didn't get to do much. And we were hoping to start seeing it this year pan out and, you know, just some of the tea leaves I'm reading, it seems like we may not be getting him this year. Yes, that was one Tennessee fans were waiting and waiting for, and <laughs> they're still waiting, Shane, because he's just been limited by injuries. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I don't think it's – I think it's too early to say anyone's a bust because he showed up late and he still played last season. I think that – I don't know if that says anything more about his ability or – the lack of players they actually had to work with on defense, but it's going to be the same story next year. They're going to put him on the field because they're going to have to. So it's going to be a little trial by fire next year, I think, for JJ Peterson. And uh, I mean, he'll be out there. We'll just we'll just have to wait and see if he if he lives up to the hype or not. Oh man! All right, Shay, let's jump down to Auburn. The war damn eagle. The Tigers they had their first scrimmage of the spring, and the biggest news there, Shane. Gus Malzahn made all four of his quarterbacks live. Of course, the, I mean, they had this is one of the most wild quarterback competitions in the SEC. They've got junior Malik Willis. They got redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood and Cord Sandberg and true freshman Bo Nix. What did you think when you heard that uh, all four of the quarterbacks are going live in a scrimmage, first scrimmage of uh, spring camp down in Auburn? Oh, I think this is great, Mike. You know, you got four quarterbacks battling down there. So naturally, if you get two of them injured, you only have two to choose from. So <laughs> I like the way Gus is thinking, you know, just get them out there. He talked about one of them getting their helmet knocked off. He's like, oh, he's fine. He's begging to get back in, you know, since he could see the field. So, yeah, no, I think this is great. <laughs> way to go, Gus. Well, Gus Malzahn spoke about that here recently. So let's cut to old Gus. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he had some pretty interesting comments, that's for sure. There wasn't one thing. Um, it was just good to, to see him. It was good to see him, you know, how they operate the offense, uh, how confident they were, the communication. Um, and, you know, like I said, anytime you go live, it changes the whole perspective. And the approach, you know, I learned a lot about the approach of the quarterbacks, of how they're going to going to approach the uh, the games being live and everything. But you know, there wasn't one thing that stood out, but just overall it gave us not good information, but great information. Thing going. How did your quarterbacks react to getting hit? Because we saw one photo with Joey with his you know, helmet popped off and everything. Yeah. He handled it pretty well. Yeah, he got back up and grabbed his helmet, and he's wanting to go back in, you know. So I, I think they handled it really well, you know. And, you know, you got to compete. You got people fighting for the job, and you know, you got an opportunity to kind of show what you you can do. Because a lot of times, you know, your quick whistle and stuff. You got an orange jersey on. If they get within two yards, a lot of times they blow the whistle, and so you know, it gives them a chance to show what they can do. And and for me, like the decision making. So you drop back, you know, and you get a little pressure. Are you going to take off running? Get a couple? Are you going to throw it? I mean, just all those things that. You know, you don't get a chance to see, um, you know, in, in a, you know, in an orange jersey. All right, Shane. I mean, I think the thing, obviously, Gus, he's a hard one to read because you never know when he's really telling you the truth or not. He's he's very guarded with his information. But I thought that was particularly interesting when he said not good information, but great information they got from this approach and just what they really wanted to see from these guys. Uh, you, are you buying into it? Well, I will say I, I was joke. I mean, I don't like quarterbacks live. I, I think that's I don't think that's a smart move. But if they truly have a quarterback challenge down there and they need to narrow it down, I can see why they did something like this. Um, you know, because <laughs> they need to they need to find the game changer down there. And you you know you're talking about potentially putting in a true freshman. Is how's he going to handle? the game, the speed of the SEC. You can't do that if you're wearing a, a red jersey. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. This this may be some this this may they may be onto something here, but I I still just I'm I'm not I don't like my quarterbacks getting hit, Mike. Well what it says to me, Shane, I don't know why some teams do this, but you know, Gus Malzahn's offense obviously works a lot better when the quarterback is a true running threat. Yeah. And yet they 
they continue to recruit guys that uh, can't run the ball. Yeah. Let, some of these guys can, but some of them maybe not. So I I think he's giving the guys that can run every advantage to separate themselves. And I'm specifically talking about Joey Gatewood and Malik Willis here. Although Bo Nix can run a little. I I honestly, I've never watched Cord Sandberg, so I don't know much about him, but I don't think he's much of a runner. I think he's he's trying to give Joey Gatewood and Willis, if, if he sticks around, every chance to win this job. Because I don't think with the schedule and opening against Oregon on a neutral field, I'm not saying he's not going to let Bo Nix play, because I think Bo Nix will play next season, but I think he's just really hoping that he doesn't have to start the season with a true freshman quarterback as as the QB1. Does that make sense? No, it it makes perfect sense. And it's kind of what I was thinking, you know. I mean, this offensive line was pretty brutal last year itself. Uh, Do you have the returning – I don't have the returning list here. Do you have the returning list for the offensive linemen? Yeah, the entire starting unit is back. but And they're all seniors, I believe. So that's great on one hand. But on the other, they're losing five starters next year. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, and there's, the offensive line wasn't great last year. So, again, kind of like we're talking about with Tennessee, you know, just because you're getting all these guys back, not necessarily a great thing. But, of course, uh, this is the second year under the offensive line coach. So maybe, you know, they play a lot better this year. But it's kind of like I was saying with Jarrett Stidham, who just didn't really have that great a year last year throwing the ball and he obviously wasn't a threat running the ball, if they can get a quarterback in there that can, if the pocket breaks down, can bust out a big play, Yeah. I mean, I mean hell, no one's going to be complaining about the offensive line if they're getting first downs and, and big plays and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, everything I'm hearing, Joey Gatewood has, has really kind of separated himself. And keep in mind, he was an Under Armour All-American, but there were some people when he was down there saying, man, this guy will make a hell of a tight end. So, <laughs> I mean, he's probably still has a ways to go with his arm. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think I think well, Gus Malzahn is going to pull the trigger on Joey Gatewood when it's all said and done. Well, I'm a firm believer that Gus is playing for his job this year. And I think that you're going to see more things from Auburn that you won't see on other teams. And uh, one thing is – like the the risk of red shirts. I don't think he's going to be worried about that. If he thinks Bo's going to be the guy, I think he's going to put him in there, and he's going to give him shots. And if he burns a red shirt, I don't think Gus cares. He's going to do whatever he can to win, and I think he's going to put whoever he thinks gives him the best opportunity to win this year out there on the field. But I don't know. It just feels like Bo's kind of like his <clears throat> saving grace. You know, if you if the Auburn fans finish this season – thinking, hey, you know what, we saw some good things from our young players, then maybe there's potential of him keeping his job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, all right, Shane. Let's move on down to staying in state, going to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Nick Saban met with the media recently, and (laughs) I thought the best thing he had to say, Shane, he was asked, you know, how much influence does his coordinators have on his system and uh, in his program? Obviously, he's got two new full-time offensive and defensive coordinators this year. Uh, let's jump to Nick Saban's comments here, and then we'll discuss it. When, when you hire a new coach, a new coordinator, how much influence does he have in, in the philosophy and changing philosophies and schemes, and how does that work with you? Not, not a lot. You know, we kind of do what we do. Uh, I think a new coordinator brings new energy, new enthusiasm, new ideas. And, you know, sometimes we make tweaks and adaptations to what we do. Um, but, you know, we were pretty successful uh, on offense, especially last year. So uh, why would we change a whole lot? I think some of the additions that we make are very positive uh, and will be very helpful in helping us feature, you know, some of the players that we have. Um, you know, and defensively, you know, Pete was here. So um, we definitely need to improve. We slipped. Um, and, you know, we continue to try to replace a lot of personnel year in and year out, whether guys leave the program early for the draft or whatever it might be. But um, we've never had this much turnover in players, you know, like we did a year ago. And now we have again this year. So um, it affects depth uh, and it affects, affects knowledge and experience. So uh, we just have to keep working with the young players and probably have a pretty young team. Nick Saban shot that shit down pretty quick, didn't he? <laughs> 
Two is my quarterback. We got a quarterback challenge for who's second, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He... Dude, I'm telling you, man, he's pumped up about the offense. You can't tell it in his voice, but you know he's excited about what he's got returning back there. But I think I think he's a little worried about that defense, man. Do you really? Why do you why do you say that? I mean Well, just the fact that they're younger and compared to last year. I mean, last year they had a lot of holes, a lot of flaws there toward the end of the season. We've got a new coordinator coming in. We've got younger talent coming in, and and that's one thing he, he talked about. You know, it's a it's a constant revolving door down there with young people because they leave early to go to the NFL draft. So I don't know. I just just listening to his whole conference, he he sound he sound pretty pumped about the offense, mm-hmm. and he wasn't as excited about the defense. Well, knowing Nick Saban, sometimes I think when he's not talking about you. That's when you're actually doing something right. Because, I I mean, this guy's got all the confidence in the world in his system. Uh-huh. And like he said here, they're not changing the damn system. They, the coordinators fit into what he wants. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's got the most talented team, maybe Georgia. I think that's the, that's the only other team you could kind of put in that same class. Yes, he's got some guys. He, he He's talked about leadership and needing mm-hmm. these leaders – Players to step up. I think they were missing that last year towards the end of the year. That was kind of evident. If these leaders step up, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not thinking the defense is going to be that bad because the way they got their ass handed to them by Clemson, and they really, they really should have lost to Georgia, and they were never really going to lose to Oklahoma, but the defense didn't look that great in that game either. Right. I think that's a mo- enough motivation to – you know, get his guys really keyed in this offseason. Yeah, but how many I mean, how many guys did they lose last year? I mean, you're talking about a whole new crew here. I don't know. Alabama just they lose everybody and they <laughs> <I> just <know. laughs> they just roll them on out. I don't know. I uh, I know. I keep one I keep waiting for the changing of the guard. It could be two thousand nineteen. I don't know, Mike, but I don't know. I just didn't feel confident. Again, we're talking spring ball, and we're talking Alabama. Some of these teams, they don't even need a defense, you know what I'm saying, or a coordinator. But um, I I just – I'm curious how quick they pick up. I mean, they got some pretty good games there at the start of the season, and uh, I'm just – I don't know. I'm a little worried about their defense right now. Yeah, and I think that will probably be the message coming out of the spring game because two of those receivers will probably light it up, Uh and that will just be more motivation for Saban to kind of rail on his defense, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and you got to remember too, the ones, especially when the ones are going against the ones, there's not a better offense to learn from. You know what I'm saying? For as far as defense, if their defense can keep up with Alabama's offense, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's going to make them ready. That's going to make them game ready. But uh, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious to see what the product looks like. All right, Shane, staying in the SEC West, let's jump down to Arkansas. Woo pig. Where old Chad Morris met with the media after Arkansas's first scrimmage. But before we get to his comments there, a little bit of bad news here. Uh, the Razorbacks have announced that Colton Jackson, Silas Robinson, and Drew Vest, all offensive linemen, they're all out for the rest of the spring. Golly. And that's that's a position, I mean, this has kind of haunted Arkansas the last couple of years, offensive line. You know, they've had defensive line issues as well. So it's going to be tough for them to kind of – uh, you know, finish out the spring with a solid offensive line unit. Mm-hmm. And I, that's something kind of Chad Morris hit on here. Uh, let's jump to Chad Morris. Where he gives his comments on Arkansas's first spring scrimmage here. You mentioned the offensive line, you're losing three guys. How have you seen them throughout the all of spring? And today, the I think about the 20 minutes we saw, it looked like defense kind of had their way with them. Yeah, they got after him pretty good today, early on in the scrimmage. Um, when you're backed up, I think we're on the minus 28 or 31, whatever it was. <clears throat> I definitely thought the energy was brought from the defensive line. Yeah, I think I think overall, from uh, prior to losing these guys, I thought we had uh, we were we were kind of solidifying our five that we were going to go with. Um, and then Colton goes down, and we have to move Myron back out. Austin comes in, but you know, I think overall during spring we've gotten better. There's no doubt about it. we've gotten better. And, um, yeah, I just wish we could have finished this spring off with a, the solid five that we, we felt confident with that we'll just start the season with. But it is what it is. And, um, you know, Coach Fry will continue to move these guys around, and uh, we'll be bringing some more guys in in the end of May. So. Hey, Chad. Um, 
if you could kind of overview for us, like uh, how many plays maybe it was, some big plays. We saw, I think we saw Hayden with a big play, Deion Stewart with one, but just, you know, big takes. <clears throat> yeah, I, again, I, I, I don't know exactly how many plays. I'm, I'm sure we were probably about the, the 120 to 140 mark. Uh, this was the long scrimmage, which we knew it would be um, prior to spring game. Spring game is, is sometimes you don't get a true look. Um, from a from a link standpoint, and some from uh, some some situational stuff, uh, I, I did as I mentioned earlier. I thought Trey Knox, Chase Chase Hayden, uh, with some big plays. Um, you know, I definitely, you know, you, you saw Sosa making some big plays up front. You know, the TFLs and um, that that's that's been a big a big emphasis for us from a defensive unit, but. You know, there, there were there's some guys making some plays out there, but again, we we've got to continue to get better, and that's what we'll do. All right, Shane. So I mean, Chad Morris, he could barely talk during this presser. He had to. <laughs> I don't know if he was screaming. He must have been screaming at practice, or maybe he's just kind of over the spring. Uh, but the spring game's approaching pretty quickly here in Arkansas. What do you think of old Chad Morris <laughs> here breaking down the scrimmage? Oh man, I'm a little worried, brother. I mean, he wasn't as emotional as the last time we listened to him. But, I mean, here we are again with three linemen down. You know, you remember last year, I think they had seven offensive linemen down by the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if this is a strength and conditioning situation we need to be looking at or uh, opposite of Gus, maybe we don't make the offensive linemen live, you know, just put some <laughs> pink shirts on them, you know, and I just do what you can. But when you think of Gus, you don't – I mean, when he's coming out, there was a lot of people excited about the defense and the defensive play uh, during the spring so far. But, you know, I'm a little worried because when I think of Gus, I don't think of defense. I think of offense. And if his offense ain't going, you know, the Arkansas is going to be in rough shape, man. Yeah, and, I, you know, I feel bad for him down there right now because it, it just seems like Arkansas is constantly putting out fires. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one week they don't have any running backs. Uh, the next week, they don't have any quarterbacks. Okay, they get two grad transfers. Now the offensive line goes to hell. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just one thing after another, and it's, I think it's more you know, had to do with the situation he inherited. Yeah. And he did a hell of a job you know, with his first recruiting class. He needs to stack two or three more of those back-to-back-to-back to, back to, back to, to have a quality program here. But uh, you know, this, this is, uh, I think it's going to make for an interesting spring game, particularly if they don't have – a great offensive line and we're you know he's noted there all the tackles for loss in the latest scrimmage and that's to be expected but obviously when you have a bunch of offensive linemen out and I was going to make this note this switched right before we jumped on air but uh, every practice here in the spring they give you know the championship belt to the offense or defense mm-hmm. defense won it every single time there was a tie apparently but other than that the defense had won it every time <laughs> But here on Tuesday evening, they they tweeted out uh, the offense finally won that belt. So <laughs> at, at least you're seeing it. You're seeing it. The offense has a little bit of luck here, I guess. I guess they're practicing goal line today or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm worried about them. Is this the same strength and conditioning coach from last year? I'm just curious. I mean, because mm-hmm. it is okay. Because you know. When you go into two year and you start seeing similar injuries and similar players, you know it, it's a trend, man. And a lot of times it, it starts in the off season in the workouts. So I don't know. I'm keeping my eyes on these guys because the last thing they need. I mean, they're already young, but you don't want to be young and thin. You know what I'm saying? Right. All right, Shane. Let's jump back over to the SEC East. Let's go down to Georgia. Oh no! Sick him! Hey, we got some big news here, Shane. I think you're going to really appreciate this. You're a big, yeah. big fan of the home and home series. Well, Georgia and Florida State, that's going to be a good one. They've announced a home and home series. And the first game is going to be at FSU in 2027, uh, September 4th. So it's looking like uh, one of the first games of the season. And then the return trip the following year, FSU travels to Georgia September 16th, 2028. What do you think of that one? Oh, I like that, man. What What are the dates though? Again, does it say the dates? Uh, yeah. For the so the 2027 game that'll be September 4th. Uh-huh. So that'll probably be week one or week two, and then the 2028 game is September 16th. So we're probably looking at week three, week four of the season. I like it, Mike. I do love it. I love home and homes, mm-hmm. and and I think it's a smart move for Georgia to get into Florida. As many times you can play in Florida, the better. 
and same thing for Florida State. You know, you know, get up here and get a little get a little air time. So I like this, Mike. I'm all for it. Yeah, and I saw some Gator fans reacting here. They were just like, "My God, I don't know which way to root for here." <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, they're not going to root for Florida State. They're they're sure as hell not going to root for Georgia at this point. But in addition to that series, Shane. This is how big Georgia's getting with these all these non-conference scheduling. They just threw this one in on the side. They've announced a second home-and-home series with Clemson. They already had one on the books, but now they're going to uh, host Clemson September 4th, 2032. So it's a ways out. But then the following season, they travel to Clemson September 3rd, 2033. And they are already scheduled three games with Clemson in addition to these two. So they've got five against Clemson coming up in the next uh, 15 years, whatever it is here. But um, it's, it's still, it's got to be pretty awesome for Georgia fans to know they're going to see a bunch of uh, these elite teams on their schedule. Or at least their grandkids will. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope I make it to 2033. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check this one out. So this is, uh, you know, they've also got, uh, these are already announced, but they have series against Texas and UCLA and all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this means that Georgia, in 2028, they will host Florida State and travel to Texas. And then the 2029 season, Georgia will host Texas and travel to Clemson. So uh, we're looking at some uh, really big you know, that's, that's schedules cool. here. Yeah, I'm all for scheduling one juggernaut, you know, at the start of the season because – Worst case scenario, if you're looking at a Florida State team at the top five team, mm-hmm. or you know, I mean, even if you lose to them, you still have a chance to to get back into the playoff race at the end of the season. And but when you schedule two, you know, you're, it just feels like you're playing with fire because yeah, Texas hasn't been great as of now, but when they play Texas, who knows? They may be back to where they were. And um, the last thing you want to do is lose two games in one season that ain't even and not even get into SEC conference yet. And final thing here on Georgia Shade, it just uh, you know it's like Steve Spurrier used to always say, you want to get Georgia early in the year because all their guys are going to be suspended. Uh, <laughs> Robert Beal and Brenton Cox both arrested for marijuana here. I think it was Monday, and mm. they are they're both already out. But this, these are two of uh, Georgia's most promising young recruits or not recruits, but prospects. Um, I think Beal was a five-star and Cox, a high rated four-star. I think Beal redshirted last year. Cox got on the field a little bit, started to flash. So uh, (laughs) them, them dogs, man, they just can't stay out of trouble. Can they? Well, the good news is in 2033, it's probably going to be legal, Mike, you know, so (laughs) this won't, this won't be news then. Florida State, better watch out. <laughs> All right, staying in the SEC East, Shane, uh, let's go to South Carolina. Where old Jake Bentley, he met with the media recently, and, uh, you know, he kind of had some information that we've kind of heard before, Shane, but I think it rings a lot more true entering year two under Brian McClendon, the, new, the offensive coordinator down there in Columbia. Uh, but he just talked about the offense being able to hit a new gear here with the, whenever they decide to go tempo. And in addition to that, I thought one of the more interesting things Jake Bentley had to say was just the fact that uh, T.J. Brunson, senior linebacker, had a called a team meeting just of the seniors and tried to really rally these guys. So uh, let's jump here to Jake Bentley's comments. In terms of tempo, how much more adept do you think this offense will be? at running it this year when you choose to run it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think guys will know, you know, where to line up and, and everything based on the calls that we give them. And um, I think it's going to be so much faster. And I think the linemen have a good idea of, of understanding that it starts with them and they got to get set on the ball before we can do anything. So um, they've done a great job with that so far. Coach McClendon said earlier in the spring that he probably implemented about half of what he wanted to last year and, and this year was kind of the other half how much of that have you noticed and and what have you noticed about what new he's put in yeah um you can you can just definitely see his own his own spin on everything and his own take he um you know definitely likes to push the ball down the field he likes to be aggressive he has aggressive mindset Um, that's what I love about it and um he really puts a lot of confidence in in us as quarterbacks to make the right decisions 
and um, you can just definitely tell he he feels more comfortable uh, with just with just calling plays that really attack the defense. Is there a different feeling for you being a senior? I mean, there's quarterback leadership, and then there's senior leadership. Um, do you feel different? Oh, for sure, I mean, for sure. And, and you know, TJ TJ Brunson called a senior meeting the other day, and just and just kind of kind of laid out the the idea that guys, this is our last chance to do it, and uh, we can't let little things fall through the cracks. And um, we really got to be particular in what we want and what our goals are, and, and don't let anything stand in the way. And if someone's not, you know, you know, doing his best to, to achieve the team goals you know we got to talk to them and get them in line and um everyone's just responding well and, and really working hard all right Shane so what do you think I mean are we buying this South Carolina offense going faster and then what do you think of the you know seniors meeting here well my only concern with a faster tempo offense is sometimes it leads to more mistakes and when you think of Bentley efficiency hasn't been his Forte. Yeah, I mean, if you look last three years, he's had 54 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. So are these fast routes? Are they, you know, slants? Are they easier passes? You know, things he's got to think of less Then yeah, I could see this being beneficial. But if we're talking just getting vertical, which it sounds like that's what they want to do mm-hmm. and throw potentially some 50, 50 balls, that kind of scares me a little bit because, I mean, Muschamp does not want to go three and out, two and out, you know. I mean, we saw it a couple times last year where it felt like that defense was on the field the entire game. I mean, eventually they're going to give out to anyone that they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying there, but at the same time, when they're going up against Clemson, they're going up against Georgia, they're going up against Florida, and obviously all these teams, I think – I don't know. I don't know if you want to say this is an excuse, but I think Muschamp knows his line of scrimmage is still not able to compete with those teams. Mm-hmm. So using the tempo potentially a way to mitigate that. Now we gotcha. we saw that last year. They tried to do it against Georgia, and I mean, my God, once Georgia just took over and they started playing, you know, ball control, it was that was all she wrote. Right. Whereas the Clemson game. I mean, they they could have. I know the final score is not indicative of it, but they almost beat Clemson had they converted a couple times there in the red zone. So I think it kind of worked against the Tigers a little bit more. But um, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Particularly, I think Jake Bentley. I don't know if he led the Power Five, but he was in the top two or three most interceptions thrown. Mm-hmm. So yeah, putting it putting it in his his hands. But you know, he's a senior player. He should know all the ropes year two of this system i mean uh, you would think you'd much rather have a senior running this thing than a freshman which some of the fans are already calling for but uh i don't well, know even even the media is asking you know how are these young guys looking how are they picking up how are they pushing you you know mm-hmm. it's it felt like last year and i kind of feel bad because i do think bentley has real potential i think he you know, if he gets grounded and he learns this offense and surprises a few people, I think he could be one of the better quarterbacks in this league. Yeah, Actually, he, I he mean, even talked about uh, meeting up with our guy David Morris from QB Country. He said he's going to be doing that as soon as spring spring training is over here. So, yeah. I mean, I mean who, who knows? Just a, a couple tweaks, a couple things, and, and there's a real benefit to running a totally different offense. You know, it takes a it takes a few teams. Uh, how soon are they playing Georgia this year? Is it an early game? Uh, not this year, no. They play October 12th. What's their first three games? Uh, North Carolina in Charlotte, so neutral. Mm-hmm. Charleston Southern. And then Alabama. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, if you can get by North Carolina, obviously you can get through Charleston, South Carolina. Is it Charleston, South Carolina? Is that what you Charleston said? Southern. Oh, Charleston Southern. And uh, and not show too much. You know, that, I mean, if you're going to beat a team like Alabama, the best way you can do it is, is throwing something out there that they haven't seen yet. So I'm not, I'm not calling for an upset or anything like that, but here we are, or I was questioning the defense, and now you got a potential – you know, of course, I said that last year with Old Miss, and it was like forty-five to zero at half. So I don't know. You know, I don't want to get too carried away, but um, you know, that's just that's that's the exciting part about this offense. And you know, I'm looking around the league. I mean, if you were to rank right now the top five quarterbacks, 
you'd have like Tua and Fromm, like 1A, 1B, right? Yeah, I'd probably have Tua slightly ahead of Fromm, but but very close. Yeah, I mean, they're same same tier. And then you, I guess you'd go Mond, right? I'm not even sure I would go Kellen Mond after watching him. He's, I mean, he when he reaches his ceiling, yes. Yeah. But he's many times he's very inconsistent. Who would you say, Burrow? Maybe Joe Burrow. Maybe I like uh, Jared Garantano. I mean, uh-huh. all Jake Bentley. I think all these guys. Felipe Franks, maybe even when he's hot. I mean, again, he can kind of go cold too. So, a lot of these guys are lumped together. Uh, I'd probably go Joe Burrow. Would probably be my number three. Well, I can't leave Kelly out. I mean, he hell he he's pretty good too. Kelly Bryant. Yep. It just feels like the quarterbacks aren't as deep this year. You know, I guess with Kyle and all them gone and my golden goose, it, it just feels like it's it's dropped a little bit. But I think it's going to make for more competitive games because that second tier of quarterbacks, you're right. I think you could put a lot of different names in there. And I think Bentley's one of them. If he just tweaks a few things, uh, you know, like you were talking about with Morris there, maybe uh, he's going down to the Manning camp as well. Uh, maybe, you know, he picks up on a few things or identifies what he's been you know, I just don't want him looking over his shoulder all season like he did last year. You know what I'm saying? I think that affects you on the field. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like if you're saying that about a guy going into his senior year who's yeah. played every year since he was a freshman, you know, it's you'd think it would happen by now. You know what I mean? Do you think he gets replaced? Just you and me talking here. Do you think, and uh, of course all our listeners, do you think <laughs> – do you think he gets replaced before the season's up? I mean, I th- we're, we're talking Alabama week three. If they get, I mean, if they get their teeth kicked in, mm-hmm. there's going to be some people wanting the backup quarterback in. Yeah, and that's you know well before they go, they later go to Georgia, Florida, at A and M, at Tennessee. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, God forbid, Papal, you know, Mac Brown, you know. Beats him, yeah. <laughs> Week one, his old ass. And if they do, then I mean, them wheels are gonna come off quick up there in South Carolina. I think okay. there's a lot I'll, of pressure. I'll, on I'll it. put it to you this way, Shane. Yeah. If they lose to North Carolina, Jake yeah. Bentley, at yeah, there's no way he's finishing the year. Okay. But I expect them to beat North Carolina pretty handily. So I'll say no if they beat North Carolina. Okay. All right. I think they beat them too. I just. And I hope they do. I hope it's not a ball game. I hope uh, the second one, the Charleston's not a ball game. And I hope Alabama is like, oh, my God, what kind of offense are we looking at? Because there's a lot of a lot of excited people coming out of South Carolina talking about this, you know, this fun and gun style. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy a ton into this, but historically, when South Carolina's hyped, they, may, they don't really do it. When they're under the radar, that's kind of when they surprise. So yeah. This could be a surprising year. And finally, on on that clip there, Shane, one part we didn't hit on, Jake Bentley talking about the seniors meeting and, and just holding the rest of the players accountable for mm-hmm. getting the most out of everyone. Is that something that you think, you know, kind of goes without saying? Or are you at all, you know, hearing that and saying, well, maybe these guys are, are really motivated to have a big final 2019 season? Well, I think – you make your teammates better. And, you know, last year there was a lot of hype coming out of South Carolina and, and these guys were let down and who knows, maybe they felt like the, there wasn't team leadership and somebody's got to take the reins. And if they got team meetings already, usually that's a pretty good sign. We saw it with LSU, you know, we thought they were going to fall apart for the season started. And then they, you know, they came together as a team last season. So, I kind of like that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. South Carolina is a, it's kind of like an Auburn esque type team. You know, when you're not expecting them to do anything, they surprise a lot of people. So this mm-hmm. may be the season. All right, Shane. Final thing I got to hit on. Just end on a light note here. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw this, but Jameis Winston, he was at Texas A&M recently. He, he went there with, uh, you know, he's current teammates with Mike Evans, the outstanding. Texas A&M receiver. They went to College Station, I guess, just to train a little bit while the Aggies got spring football. I thought you were going to say Joe's Crab Shack. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Javis Winston tweeted out a picture hugging Jimbo Fisher, said, 
Texas A&M, thanks for having me. You have the best facilities in the world. And I got to think Florida State is going to be like, what in the hell are you putting that <laughs> on, on social media? Do you have any, uh, you know, you know Jimbo and Texas A&M is going to use that against Florida State on the recruiting trail, wouldn't you think? Oh, my God, yeah. Well, that's one of the things Jimbo talked about in Florida State is he could never get the funds to make it, mm-hmm. comp- you know, competitive with the, with the big boys. So, at Texas A&M, golly, they got money growing on trees out there, so... Uh, I bet their facilities are the one of the nicest. I don't know the nicest because I've seen some really killer facilities in the SEC. But as far as compared to Florida State, I'd venture to say Florida State would probably be about tenth in our league right now. Yeah, so I just wanted to make that note. The Aggies won over another Florida State Seminole. <laughs> <laughs> is he is he even playing? Is he at Tampa still? I don't even know what's going on with Jameis anymore. Yeah, he's still the starting quarterback until he uh, gets suspended for the next time. <laughs> so they're not. Uh, I got. I don't keep up with it too much, but uh, I think the AAF was really you know looking forward to getting Winston. <laughs> What's Johnny gonna do? What league is Johnny gonna tear up next, Mike? You know. Oh, uh, poor Johnny! I think he's headed to the XFL. Oh man! Oh yeah! I'm sure Vince has got him on the phone right now. <laughs> Three way with Steve Spurrier. <laughs> We're going to create something special. I'm bringing Tebow, too. So <laughs> That's it. Good versus evil. You know, I, I like it. It's it's a wrestling thing. All right, Chad, you got anything else before we hop off here? Oh, man, no. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. And uh, if you don't mind, if you got an iPhone, we really do appreciate those five-star hearts on the reviews. It really does help us out. If not, uh, don't. I mean, if you don't got it, you know what I'm saying? Just hanging out with us is all we like. And uh, I know it's slow, it's spring, but we're talking about some possible interviews coming up, Mike, right? Uh, yeah, I don't want to tease that one because I'm not sure it's going to come through. But uh, it should be a good one if it does. Yeah, Coach O ain't called you back yet, has he? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks, for all, as always, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.